Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Hmm. Today promises to be a really interesting conversation. I guess over the years, I've touched on the idea and the power of curiosity, but I don't think we've gotten so down into the weeds on the real true power of this until today's conversation. This promises to be interesting, informative, and frankly, a lot of fun. So I'm joined this morning by Becky Saltzman. She is an author and a curiosity consultant, and she's got a new book just out called Living Curiously, How to Use Curiosity to Be Remarkable and Do Good Stuff. Becky, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's my pleasure, and I appreciate you stopping by to join me, Becky. The book just launched not too long ago, and so I know you're busy doing all the usual activities around a book launch. So I know you're busy. I appreciate you stopping by. Before we get into a conversation around the book and the whole idea of curiosity, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Fantastic. Well, I was born in a virtual cabinet of curiosities. When I was eight years old, my parents cut my hair and they dressed me as a boy and they dragged me to what would become hundreds of auctions They wanted me to learn the uh, family business and uh, kind of the lost art of selling from the master persuader auctioneers. And so I was exposed to not just incredibly interesting and contraptions, machines, sawmills, tractors, tools, but also antiques and artwork and family business heirlooms. And so we had a lot, seriously, a cabinet of curiosities, both at home and, 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 and at work when I was dragged to work. But I was also, I mean, just constantly asked questions to make sure that I understood that what you see is never all that there is. So why is that man tipping his cigar at the auctioneer? What is that? Why does that man in overalls and ripped socks working with a man who just pulled up in the Mercedes? Questions like that, that really inspired my curiosity. And then I ended up studying um, in undergrad and grad school behavioral science and always looking for the role in curiosity from a scientific standpoint. And then eventually in my professional career, both as a fashion buyer and then for years as a real estate broker, interviewing people all over the world, trying to extract specifically the role of curiosity in a specific type of person, um, which I call people who aim for remarkability. And that's really my background that led to um, writing Living Curiously and and this method. Well, we're going to dive into the method in this conversation, but let me lead this off with a very blunt question. I think most people in this world are unsatisfied with their lives and their careers because they're just not curious. Do you agree with that? I think curiosity is the cure for a lot of things, certainly the cure for boredom. I also think that the opposite of fear is not bravery. It's not courage. It's curiosity. So I would totally agree with that statement. And I think most people stink at sales because they're not curious. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say 
be more curious because that's easy to say and hard to do or be more mindful is not necessarily the same as curiosity, although they are definitely conflated oftentimes. All right. Well, so someone just heard that and they're like, well, wait a minute. What do they mean by that? So why don't you give us the definition of what it means to live curiously? Perfect. Okay. So to live curiously means that you have tuned in to specific things, to what I call the Goldilocks level, the just right level. And those two specific things are familiarity and uncertainty. So interesting, in the literature, it kind of describes familiarity and the role of expected outcomes and uncertainty, and it gets very weedy and very scientific. But the simple thing that people can do to live more curiously, uh, to which there's huge advantage, and I would argue now is more important than ever before, the two specific things that they can use to kind of tune in are the familiarity. In other words, never let yourself become so familiar that you're no longer curious, that you are such an expert that you know everything, and never let yourself become too unfamiliar with something unless you have no desire to be curious about it, because if you're totally unfamiliar, you can't be curious. But there is a certain kind of Goldilocks level of familiarity, the just right amount. And the second one is the uncertainty. And uncertainty is something that you can infuse into your expected outcomes. So if your expected outcome is completely met, then you're not curious. You expect to get an A on a test, you study hard, you get an A on a test. Nothing to be that curious about. But if your expected outcome deviates significantly, you expect to get an A on a test, you get an F, that's when you don't elevate curiosity above judgment, criticism, fear, and complacency. So by infusing uncertainty into your expected outcomes, you can start to live more curiously. Now, when you become familiar with something, now assuming, of course, that it's something worth being curious and becoming familiar with, right? That's that should be the goal, yes. But then once you're there, then that's the signal to say, all right, now I have to continue to push this further and go further, right? That That's, that's the sign for a growth opportunity is when you have become familiar with something. Right. And you have to excavate things that you're familiar with to find little jewels that you're not familiar with within that. If you want to achieve peak curiosity, I mean, sometimes you don't, or sometimes you don't want to peak, P-I-Q-U-E, peak curiosity in others. It, it just depends on what your goals are. But if you do want to live curiously, you're absolutely right. You have to tweak your level of familiarity. Now, can you go too far? Can you be too curious and get to the point where you're just, you're asking questions and trying to learn things that are your way of avoiding the hard and important and meaningful work? Yeah, excellent question. That's why curiosity has had a very um, complicated reputation. Um, delving into things that are none of your business, spinning into constantly questioning and never taking action. Absolutely. And living curiously isn't about endless inquiry and the pursuit of obtaining knowledge about everything. That's not a realistic goal. But it is about uncovering connections, avoiding blind spots, and living more adventurously. It is about identifying when you should stop spinning and when to take action and using curiosity as kind of a muscle and a tool to make those determinations. 
Got it. All right. So thinking about the tagline of the book where it says, through this, you'll be remarkable and you'll do good stuff. There's probably 42,000 books that I could find on Amazon to teach me how to be remarkable and do good stuff. How does curiosity, I mean, I guess another way to ask the question is why did we need another book on being remarkable? How, how, how does your approach and how is your method something that's different from everything else I could find online? That's a great question. I don't think the world needs this book. But I do think that the time for this book is more important than ever before. Well, more specifically, the time for curiosity is more important than ever before. And I do think a very small segment of the world needs this book. And those are the people who are saying to themselves, you know, I'm on this path. There's something out there. I have the same, you know, desires for freedom and independence. But I suspect, you know, I may be different. I am someone who wants to step off the bleachers and into the arena to affect beneficial change. It's just, it's not for everyone. I think the timing for curiosity, like I said, is imperative more now than ever before for a lot of specific reasons. But this book isn't for everyone. As a matter of fact, in the book, I have six questions to which if you answer yes, the Living Curiously method is not optimized for you. I mean, it's cool if you want it, but it's not optimized. So this is a very specific use of curiosity, kind of a based on the science of curiosity. Hmm. Well, this is all science-based, as you've said. So, all right, Becky Salsman will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right. I am back with author and curiosity consultant, Becky Saltzman. And we're talking about her new book, Living Curiously, How to Use Curiosity to Be Remarkable and Do Good Stuff. All right. So we've talked about the method. We touched on the method a few times. I believe it's like a five-step process, if I understand correctly. Give us the overview of what this method is all about. Okay, great. So I was trying to, in interviewing people all over the world and a wide range of people from corporate CEOs and venture capitalists to witches, to strippers, to drug dealers, to teachers and everything in between, I started to see this pattern of certain people, I call them remarkable people, people who stepped off the bleachers and into the arena to make the world a better place. And they, first of all, always seem to ask, you know, what is this make the world a better place? Is this change or is this beneficial change? I started to see something in a pattern, a pattern of how they use curiosity. And that was kind of what I was trying to find out. And over and over again, this pattern emerged, which are these five steps. The first of which I think is kind of maybe the most profound, which is start with what you're not, which is 
identifying things you don't know and your non-audience, who you don't stand for, what you don't stand for. And a lot of these people were able to do this because they seemed to have a comfort with being wrong, which led them to be able to identify when they were wrong and which led them to identify what they didn't know. And it was fascinating seeing how in tune these people were with and comfortable with being wrong. So that's the first step. The second step is dumpster dive your life, which is extracting early conversations and early experiences from the story of your life. The third step is cross-pollinating, which is, I call it colliding with fear-inducing and intrigue-inducing people and places, which is essentially saying broaden your network in a very specific way using curiosity. The fourth step is finding uncommon commonalities. And people say, well, that's pretty obvious. And in some ways it sounds obvious, which is identifying things you love and things you hate in common. But, you know, I, I, I experienced something the other day where I was talking to someone who had seen someone walking down the street in a University of Oregon sweatshirt, which is no big deal. I'm in Portland, Oregon. You see it all the time. But then they said that they were in Amsterdam and they saw someone with a University of Oregon sweatshirt and that became an uncommon commonality. And they ended up going out and partying with them in Amsterdam where they would have never even approached them on the streets of Portland. So that shows the power of an uncommon commonality. And then the final step is BLAST, which is an acronym for blunder, learn, accumulate successes, and try again. And there's really specific tools of how to use curiosity to kind of make your way through the method by elevating curiosity ahead of criticism, judgment, fear, and complacency. So that's really the method in a nutshell. I mean, it's one thing to be curious, but if you don't do anything with what you learn by being curious, it's useless, right? Right. Absolutely. And that's such a great point. So this is more curiosity as a tool versus as a way of being. See, I don't think when I think about all the successful people that we identify as the game changers, and there's books written about them, and there's films made about them, and and there are examples of people we look up to and say, this is someone who is who has made a dent in the universe to steal that phrase. To my view, when I think about those people, they're all like Elon Musk, for example. Yeah. The best word I could think to describe him would be curious. Now, this is the difficult question. Let me be sure I phrase it right. I mean, you could be, quote, successful, and, and that depends how you define it. If you have a nice job and you're sitting at a cube and you make your $65,000 a year and you got benefits and you go home and you watch Game of Thrones, well, you may define that as, as a successful life. But what I define success is someone who is really making radical and, and big change and disrupts industries and all that and the Steve Jobs of the world, that kind of, that kind of personality. You can't – I don't think you can achieve that. If you're not curious. Yeah, I agree. I also think that sometimes people who make these changes, people who step off the bleachers and into the arena, so to speak, do so in a very understated way where the effects are rippling and profound. And that was what I found over and over again. You know, the Elon Musks and Steve Jobs of the world, no doubt, I totally agree huge levels of curiosity. But what I was trying to find out is where, you know, we're not all going to become Elon Musk's and Steve Jobs. And do we just give up because we can't achieve that level of remarkability? And what I found was 
that there were some people that were making probably as gigantic impacts as some of these other giants, but in very small ways with rippling effects. And that is where curiosity becomes a tool for any of us who want that kind of success. Yeah, no, it's really important that you said that because I don't want you people to think, well, if I'm not Elon Musk, then I'm a failure. No, I, I agree. And, and you can have tremendous impact and disrupt and game change in your own in your own circles. If someone's listening and they come to the conclusion, all right, well, I haven't really been a curious sort and I haven't really lived my life that way. Is that something you can learn? I mean, and, and if so, how do you how do you start? I mean, what do you do? How do I guess how do you be curious? Oh, that's great. So there, I think there are two kinds of curiosity. There's the free-range curiosity, and then there's the applied curiosity. So free-range curiosity is like how we look at kids. What's that? What's that? What does that do? And we kind of wax poetic about our nostalgic about how we used to be so curious as kids. But, you know, when you start learning more about what this does, you don't really need to ask those kinds of questions as much. But then it becomes applied curiosity, kind of like applied science and basic science. So basic science... I study molecules to learn about molecules, applied science. I study molecules to maybe create a better chemotherapy for cancer treatment, something like that. So if you want to become more curious with applied curiosity, I think that's a very achievable goal. You might not just be bewildered with a sense of wonder. That's okay. But applied curiosity can be learned. And what I recommend people do, other than creating a very specific metaphor for elevating curiosity ahead of criticism, judgment, fear, and complacency. I use a pogo stick metaphor, but that's me being crazy because I'm like that. But some kind of metaphor to kind of reorder how you approach things. And you have that metaphor, either it's a switch or in my case, a pogo stick, something silly, where you reorder that and it just reminds you. The other thing is to arm yourself with three curious questions. And it can be as trite as memorizing these three curious questions so that when you're in a conversation, you start by being interested rather than being focused on being interesting. And if you're not good at asking questions of people and you're not, you don't feel that you're particularly curious or not good at using curiosity, then you can create these curious questions ahead of time and just pull them out as like one of your party tricks. So those are, those are two specific tactical ways to start becoming more curious. It will also allow you to find the mystique in the mundane. Because curiosity, a lot of people think you have to travel the world or you have to jump across the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle. Those are awesome. That's great. But curiosity is something that absolutely does not require resources um, and does not come with a price tag. But it does sometimes come with preparation if you don't feel that you're naturally a curious person. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. I, I'm thinking about, you know, as I record this, so I'm in uh, my home studio, which is in a high rise in downtown Chicago, and I'm looking out and I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 tall buildings full of corporate people sitting in cubes doing, <laughs> doing their job. And I understand, you understand that we really want curious people working in our organizations. But I have a feeling there's a lot of management that say, I don't 
want my people to be curious. I want them to just put their head down, do their job. How do you, assuming that you understand there's real power in me arming my team, empowering my people, building a culture where my team is curious because that's good for growing, learning, serving the customer well, innovating, being creative. How do you, as a manager, how do you build that culture that encourages a curious mindset of your people? That's a great question. Excellent question. First of all, you have to build, first of all, you have to know the level of curiosity you want in your people because it's, you, you know, you pointed out at some point, you've got to stop innovating and thinking and spinning and you've got to execute and get the job done. So the first step is really identifying and being honest about the level of curiosity you really want to inspire in people. If you do not have a creative environment and don't want to create a creative environment or an innovative environment, then you have to figure out the right level of curiosity because in that way, curiosity can get in the way. And that's, again, why it has a conflicting reputation. But if you want to instill curiosity because you want people to feel empowered and um, always have an opportunity to elevate their sense of mastery, which are two of the three-legged stools of motivation, then you have to figure out how to make your how to instill curiosity, which means that you have to create a culture that allows uncertainty and allows people to say, I don't know, and not be dinged on their review or fired for it. And in doing that, you might want to create a culture where you encourage your employees to get the, um, obtain the beginner's mindset by going and learning something new where the stakes aren't that high, like sumo wrestling. You know, if you go out from your corporate, you, you leave one of those buildings that you're looking out on in Chicago and you go take a class or learn sumo wrestling and you're not that good. The stakes aren't that high, but you begin to get a, you begin to go back to that beginner's mindset where, you know what, you don't die if you say, I don't know. So that's the kind of, those are the kinds of events in, that you need to create and the environment you need to create in those high rise cubicles <laughs> if you want, if you want curiosity. But first you have to ask yourself, you know, do you want that? Do you want to instill that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were having a conversation before we recorded where you were talking to me about this minimum viable question. So if you're really curious about someone, is there, are there a set of questions where I can really quickly get to the crux of who this person is and what they're about? Do you have any, uh, any counsel there? Yeah, I, it's funny. I tested a lot of questions to see where I could get an answer, get insights from some, from people that weren't trite, weren't, that, that they might not have rehearsed. Something beyond, you know, what do you do for a living or something like that. And the question that had the greatest return on investment in terms of getting to the juice, really starting the curiosity exploration down that road was, what did your childhood smell like? And there's kind of a trick to asking it, too. First of all, you have to be curious about what the answer is. But invariably, people are not expecting that question, but everyone had a childhood. So you're not really excluding people who might not be able to answer that. Like, you know, where did you go to college? Something like that. Where some people might not have gone to college. Everyone had a childhood. And what you find, what I found was when you ask that question, some people would say, my childhood smelled like pine trees. And then they would just leave it at that. And with a little glance or even something like pine trees, Someone would say, 
yeah, I actually grew up in the woods of Montana and my father was, and off they go, explaining things about themselves that would have taken probably half a dozen or more questions to extract, if that. And some people just answered, you know, it smelled like chicken. <laughs> and then you, you it, that also gives you insight into what kind of person they are. So I love that question as a curious question. It's a little weird, but, you know, I'm willing to go there for... Well, you're not going to believe this. I swear to God on, on everything that is holy about me that pine trees was, was what I was going to answer if you asked me that question. Because I grew up in, in the woods of Connecticut. And that was the first thought that came to my mind when, when we were discussing that earlier. How funny is that? Now, the whole point, see, I think the biggest problem with people living unsatisfying lives and, and having unsatisfying careers is they don't know how to engage and treat humans like humans. And it's and, and the reason I think so many people struggle at sales is that they, they're trying to sell a line item in a CRM database. They're not trying to treat someone, interact with someone as a, as a human being. And obviously, curiosity is a key to being able to actually engage with someone and, and asking a question, what your childhood smell like, I think you're going to get a lot of insights. I mean, they may answer, may have an answer, which can lead you down some really intriguing paths, or they may say, Oh, I don't have an answer. I give up. Well, that tells you a lot too, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it can inform kind of the direction you might want to go with that potential relationship. Interesting. Well, we're out of time. I, I, you've said several times in this conversation today in the, the arena, because I really believe that business and life is a game. And if you look at it that way, then it's, it kind of informs how you can approach it and how you can enjoy it and how you can get better at it. And, you know, I, I, I think there's plenty of examples. We've named a few in this conversation that didn't like the rules of the game they were playing and created a new game. So anyway, so I love the idea of, of being in the arena. I'll close on this point, and you're welcome to comment on it. If you're not curious, I don't think you're in the game. I don't think you're in the arena. I, I think it's I think it's that simple. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's okay. That's okay. Oh, sure, sure. As long as you know, as long as you're aware of the choice you've made. Yep. No, that's a great point. Becky, this has been a fascinating conversation. You kind of see how I've kind of cheated and I spend my life being curious, talking to cool people like you. So uh, I've kind of created a, a whole a whole life around being curious about all these amazing people I get to spend time with. So really great to spend some time with you today. Uh, before I let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions, learn more about your work, and most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of the book? Perfect. Well, thanks so much for asking. So you can find me on the interwebs at Becky, B-E-C-K-I, Saltzman, like salt and pepper with a Z and an M-A-N after that. And copies of the book at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and where all of the places where books hang out waiting to be discovered. All right. Becky Saltzman, curiosity consultant and the author of several books, but including the new one, Living Curiously, How to Use Curiosity to Be Remarkable and Do Good Stuff. Becky, again, it was great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you so much. All right. All the time we have for today, again, on behalf of my guest, Becky Saltzman, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. 